Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most, because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D, and today I'll be covering the case of Cheryl Smith in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Let's get right to it. New Year's Eve is celebrated by many as a time to reminisce about the past year while looking forward to the new year and a fresh start. The start of a new year has been celebrated by civilizations around the globe for thousands of years. While not every country celebrates the start of the new year on January 1st, as some countries follow a different calendar year. In most countries today, New Year's festivities begin on December 31st and vary widely by region. In Spain, it's customary to eat 12 grapes, one at each stroke of the clock at midnight on New Year's Eve. Each grape represents good luck for one month of the coming year. Over in Greece, an onion is hung on the front door of homes on New Year's as a symbol of rebirth in the new year. And on New Year's Day, parents wake their children by tapping them on the head with the onion. In Denmark, smashing plates at your friend's doorstep is what brings the best luck. Tradition has it the more broken kitchenware on your doorstep, the better off you'll be. The Danish throw plates at their neighbors or friends' doors to celebrate a new beginning. For many other countries like the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and Dubai, Just to name a few, New Year's Eve centers around good food, time with family and friends, and fireworks. New Year's Eve of 2020 was no exception for the northeastern city of Pawtucket, Rhode Island. People gathered to ring in the New Year together, many celebrating past the midnight ball drop. Random fireworks could be heard throughout the night and into the early morning hours. The following New Year's Day, when several loud explosions were heard around 8.15 p.m. in that Pawtucket neighborhood, neighbors who spoke to ABC6 assumed at first that it was just more fireworks. But moments later, the neighborhood was swarming with police cars. Crime scene tape barricaded off a house on Baxter Street. The green cottage-style home belonged to 54-year-old Cheryl Smith. Cheryl had been found just inside the doorway amidst the shattered glass of her front door, suffering four gunshot wounds to her chest. Witnesses reported seeing a male wearing dark clothing fleeing from the scene moments after the shots were fired. And police later recovered several spent 9mm shell casings around the front door. According to the Boston Globe, Cheryl was rushed to a nearby Rhode Island hospital where she was pronounced deceased. But who would have wanted to kill Cheryl? According to her obituary, she worked as a teacher's assistant at the nearby Heritage Park YMCA for the four years prior to her death. YMCA CEO Charlie Clifford stated in a letter to families that Smith was a beloved member of the community 
and our childcare team and reached hundreds of children during her tenure with us. In addition to being a teacher's assistant, Cheryl was also a licensed real estate agent with Sotheby's International Realty in Boston, Massachusetts. She loved music, traveling, but most of all, she loved being a mother to her two adult sons. One of her son's friends spoke to NBC10 News, stating that Cheryl was like a mom to him. He stated, She's a great mom, a loving mom. Other than that, she's willing to help people out and everything like that all of her life. Her murder didn't make any sense. Cheryl had devoted her life to her sons and making a difference in her community. She had no known enemies, especially any angry enough to murder her in cold blood at her home. And with nothing taken from the house, the attack on Cheryl certainly seemed targeted. But was Cheryl the intended target? One of Cheryl's sons had also been inside the home at the time of his mother's murder, but he was unharmed. 21-year-old Leonard Trofield III was Cheryl's youngest son. As it turns out, while his mom didn't have issues with anyone, according to Leonard as he spoke to the Providence Journal, he had been receiving threats from an ex-girlfriend. In a matter of hours after the murder, Pawtucket detectives tracked down Leonard's ex-girlfriend, 18-year-old Shaylin Moran at a nearby Hampton Inn hotel, and she wasn't alone. She was there with her brand new boyfriend, 23-year-old Jack Doherty. By the time police made it to room 517 at the Hampton Inn, they already had strong suspicions that Moran and Doherty were involved in Cheryl's murder due to witness statements and several social media posts, which we are definitely going to get to. According to affidavits obtained by the Providence Journal, as detectives were securing the hallway at the hotel to make contact with Doherty and Moran, the pair walked out of their room and right into police. In an attempt to flee, Doherty ran at Pawtucket police detective Justin Gould, who quickly took him to the ground and subdued him. Shaylin Moran was also taken into custody. When Doherty was apprehended, police found a backpack with a loaded, holstered 9mm pistol and an extra magazine of bullets. The type of gun was interesting. The 9mm found on Doherty wasn't your run-of-the-mill handgun. At first, it was reported to have been a gun made with 3D printed parts. But after further examination at the crime lab, it was found to have a manufacturer's mark. The manufacturer, Rock Island Armory, a division of Arms Corporation of the Philippines, which manufactures gun parts and at-home build kits. The weapon wasn't a 3D-printed gun as it was initially reported. However, according to the Rhode Island Attorney General, it was what is known as a ghost gun. A ghost gun is a fully functional firearm that can be made at home using parts and kits which are available to purchase from gun dealers or through online vendors. Typically, ghost guns are made using receivers that are not technically finished and require a few additional steps at home, such as drilling a few holes before they can be used to make a functional gun. The name ghost gun comes from the fact that since it's not manufactured in the traditional sense and instead finished at home, there are no serial numbers making the gun practically untraceable. 
It can also refer to a gun in which the serial numbers have been altered or scratched off. Of course, while we don't know the exact number of ghost guns on the streets in the U.S., the estimates vary wildly from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands. It is relatively rare that they are used during the commission of a homicide. In fact, according to the Department of Justice, privately made firearms were recovered at 692 homicide or attempted homicide crime scenes over a six-year period. If you break that down, it's about 115 privately made firearms a year. When you consider that there are approximately between 16 to 20,000 murders in the U.S. each year, it is unusual. 16 to 20,000 murders a year. Y'all, we've really got to get our shit together because that's insanity. Anyhow, initially Cheryl's murder was picked up by a few national news sources, mostly due to the murder weapon. But as the facts of the case were revealed, it would make national headlines for a multitude of reasons. If you've stepped outside lately, then you know that every kind of pollen known to mankind is out there floating around in the great outdoors right now. But did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? And according to the EPA, indoor air could be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, it could be up to a hundred times more polluted. New data from the World Health Organization shows that nine out of ten people breathe air that exceeds the WHO pollution limits, and that air pollution is responsible for nearly seven million premature deaths across the world every year. The most common allergy triggers are the airborne ones like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. In our house, which is full of pets, we're talking three dogs, four cats, and Sir Hamilton the hamster, air quality was a huge issue. Or at least it was until I found Air Doctor. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens so your lungs don't have to with an ultra-HEPA filter that's been independently tested to remove 99.9% .9 of tested bacteria and viruses. And when it comes to allergens, Air Doctor virtually removes 100% of particles as small as 0.003 microns in size. Of course, allergens can vary in size, but the average pollen size is about 25 microns. That's a whole lot of pollen you won't be breathing in. And there's no risk in trying. Air Doctor comes with a no-questions-asked 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund, minus shipping. Head on over to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code LEASTOFTHESE. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code least of these. In order to get a full picture of what happened, we'll have to take it back several months to when Cheryl's son Leonard met Shailen Moran online in the fall of 2019. From the moment they met, their relationship was tumultuous, to say the very least. According to Leonard, as he spoke to the Providence Journal, 
The first night they met in person, Moran came to stay with Leonard overnight at his mother's house on Baxter Street. And by day four, Moran became obsessed with him. And that obsession quickly turned toxic. Also, on the fourth day of their relationship, the couple got into an argument. Moran left the house and filed charges against Leonard, alleging he assaulted her. According to Detective Sergeant Christopher LaFort, Leonard was charged as a primary aggressor after that incident. He was charged with domestic simple assault and battery and disorderly conduct, and a no-contact order was put in place against Leonard Trofield. However, the relationship continued despite the no-contact order. According to Leonard, things went from bad to worse. He claimed that Moran wanted him to be, quote, her caretaker and pimp, but he told her that he wasn't into that lifestyle. And that when he had tried to end things, at one point Moran held a knife to her own throat and jumped out of a window. Eventually, the relationship did end. However, Moran continued to threaten Leonard. According to police documents, one such text message read, I'll kill you. And of course, it didn't stop there. Moran threatened not only to kill Leonard, but also his brother, his mom, his dog, and she had even threatened the YMCA daycare center where Cheryl worked. According to Leonard, these threats had been reported to police, but he claimed they weren't taken seriously. And now Cheryl Smith was dead, shot to death in her own home. But why Cheryl? And how in the hell had Jack Doherty gotten involved in any of this? Detectives believed that while Moran's new boyfriend, Jack Doherty, had been the one who pulled the trigger, I mean, witnesses had seen a male fleeing the scene and he was found in possession of the murder weapon, it wasn't exactly rocket science. But they believed it was Shaylin who had orchestrated the entire thing. You see, 23-year-old Jack Doherty wasn't even from Rhode Island. And but for Shaylin Moran, he wouldn't have known Jack crap about Cheryl or Leonard and would have likely never have even been in this state. After Shaylin and Leonard's relationship ended, Doherty met Moran online sometime around December. Much of their communication was over Facebook, where Jack Doherty went by the fake name of Goth Shooter Santana III with a profile picture of him in a hat, a black jacket pulled up around his mouth, pointing a gun at the camera, looking like the Dollar General version of a gangbanger. Photos of the gun used in the murder being built had also been posted to Doherty's goth shooter Santana III account. And Shaylin Moran, not to be outdone, went under the moniker Griselda Blanco. In case you didn't know, the real Griselda Blanco also had a few monikers of her own, like the godmother of cocaine, the godmother, and Black Widow. She was a Colombian cocaine trafficker who belonged to the Medellin cartel and a central figure during the drug wars in Miami in the 70s and 80s, who allegedly ordered numerous murders, but that's another story for another day. In the profile photo under the Griselda Blanco account, we have a selfie of Shaylin Moran. Her head tilted so that the light glistens off of the scope sight tattoo on her left cheek. And yes, I said scope sight tattoo on her cheek. Like what you would see if you looked down the scope of a rifle, crosshairs included. 
Anyhow, goth shooter Santana III and the knockoff Griselda Blanco instantly begin a long-distance relationship since Doherty was living in Albany, New York, and as we know, Moran was there in Rhode Island. Moran began to tell Doherty wild tales of horrific abuse she had suffered at the hands of Leonard Trofield, including a false story that he had raped her and left her in a cemetery. In Facebook messages seized as evidence by police, as the two talked online, it seemed Moran told Doherty these wild stories so that he would, I don't know, avenge her honor, I guess is one way to put it. According to police documents, on December 28, 2019, at 10.49 p.m., Moran sent a Facebook message to Doherty that read, When I leave for Maine, which is where her mother lives, I'ma need you to hit up Leonard so I can stain and then switch the state. Doherty replied, LOL, you just let me know. Now, I don't fluently speak dumbass, but investigators and later the judge interpreted that message as Moran asking Doherty to kill Leonard and then they would move to Maine. The following day, on December 29th, at 9.23 p.m., Doherty sent Moran a message saying he was coming to Rhode Island to meet her in person. It must have been one hell of a whirlwind romance because the two had only been talking, and by talking, I mean mostly messaging over the internet, for about three weeks at this point. At 7.16 p.m. on December 30th, Doherty informed Moran that he was in fact coming to meet her and that he was, quote, pulling up with a cannon and also something that will make her cry. The cannon, of course, wasn't actually a cannon, but instead a reference to a gun. And spoiler alert, the thing that was going to make her cry was an engagement ring. You simply cannot make this shit up. And unfortunately, it only gets dumber from here. Doherty did in fact travel to Rhode Island, cannon and engagement ring in hand, on December 31st, or New Year's Eve. That same day, he posted a photo on Facebook, a selfie of himself with a full-length mirror, pointing a handgun at his reflection with the caption, Bloody Boy Santana. Moran commented on the post, OMG, you better let me hold it when I get there. As it turned out, once in Rhode Island, Doherty rented a room at the local Pawtucket Hampton Inn. From there, Moran and Doherty rang in the New Year with Moran's friends at a New Year's Eve party. At the party, Doherty proposed to Moran, who of course said she'd marry the guy she had known for three weeks and been plotting a murder with. Shaylin made it official by announcing the engagement on Facebook because it ain't official until you post it. At some point, they made it back to the hotel where they posed for selfies holding the gun before uploading them to Snapchat for all their friends to see. At the hotel, they finalized the murder plot, agreeing that Doherty would shoot and kill whoever answered the door of Leonard Trofield's mother's home on Baxter Street. At Moran's direction, Doherty went out to carry out the murder. And as he did, they made sure to leave an electronic trail a mile wide. According to cell phone records and other electronic evidence recovered by police, on January 1st, 2020, or the night of the murder, Doherty ordered a Lyft rideshare from his cell phone. 
the lift, arrived at the Hampton Inn at 6.45 p.m. and picked him up. At 6.31 p.m., the lift dropped him off at 199 Webster Street, which is just around the corner from Cheryl's home. At 8.17 p.m., a friend of Cheryl's who lived nearby called 911 to report multiple shots fired at 100 Baxter Street. At 8.22 p.m., a lift picked up Doherty at 83 Kenyon Avenue, which just so happens to be about 200 feet away from Cheryl's home. At 8.30 p.m., Doherty sent Moran a Snapchat that read, Now this is for life. Moran responded, I'm yours forever and you mine. At 8.31 p.m., the lift dropped Doherty back off at the Hampton Inn. A minute later, the Hampton Inn side door was opened by a keycard for room 517, the room Doherty rented. While Moran was at the hotel with Doherty at 8.32 p.m., she called her grandmother stating she was in Cranston and Doherty was off with friends. Perhaps she was trying to set up an alibi? Back at the scene, investigators were speaking to Leonard and he was showing them the threatening messages he had been getting from Moran and detailing their relationship. As detectives are literally there talking with him just over an hour after his mother had been murdered, one of the detectives pulled up Doherty's Facebook. Lo and behold, he had just posted a photo of himself and Moran lying in the bed in the hotel. Moran showing off her sparkly new engagement ring while holding up four fingers. Four, like the number of times Cheryl Smith had been shot. The caption read, We some fighters and some shooters. By 10.30 p.m., officers were outside room 517. And as we know, as Doherty and Moran opened the door to leave, they walked right into police custody. Jack Doherty was charged with seven counts, including first-degree murder, conspiracy, carrying a pistol or revolver without a license or permit, resisting arrest, and assault and battery. Shaylin Moran was charged with conspiracy and first-degree murder. Needless to say, the evidence against Moran and Doherty was overwhelming. However, as most defendants do, on February 12, 2020, they both pled not guilty on all counts. But as everyone began to prepare for trial, Shaylin Moran admitted to her role in the murder. Moran pled guilty to first-degree murder, carrying a pistol without a license, and conspiring to commit a murder. On August 5, 2021, Moran was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Cheryl Smith and two additional 10-year sentences for carrying a pistol without a license and conspiring to commit murder, all to be served consecutively. In other words, Shaylin Moran will never breathe another breath of free air again. Jack Doherty took his case all the way to trial, eventually pleading not guilty by reason of insanity. The trial began in November of 2022, and the prosecution laid out the facts of the case. I mean, shit. They basically had a play-by-play -play of the murder thanks to Moran and Doherty's cell phones and social media accounts. As for the defense, they tried to prove that Doherty was legally insane at the time of the murder. Experts testified that Doherty suffered from several mental health disorders, including PTSD from substance use disorder, 
and either bipolar type 1 or schizophrenia, and that these disorders severely affected his judgment. After an eight-day trial, Doherty's fate was in the hands of a jury. On November 15, 2022, the jury rejected the insanity defense and found Jack Doherty guilty of one count of murder, one count of discharge of a firearm when committing a crime of violence, one count of conspiracy to commit murder, and one count of carrying a pistol without a permit. His sentencing was to be determined by a judge at a later date. Four long months passed, and finally on March 28, 2023, everyone was back in the courtroom for sentencing. WPRI reported on the proceeding. The state was asking that Doherty receive the maximum sentence, which was two life terms plus 20 years due to the carelessness and callousness of the crime. By law, Doherty would have to serve two consecutive life sentences. However, the court did have some discretion when it came to imposing additional jail time, which would be up to 20 years based on his convictions of conspiracy and carrying a pistol or rifle without a permit. Doherty's defense team asked Associate Justice Kristen Rogers to show lenience due to Doherty's mental health conditions. Before issuing her ruling, Justice Rogers pointed out the multitude of steps taken by Doherty and Moran to, quote, carry out this senseless act of violence, both before and after the murder. But on the other hand, she took into consideration that the experts who had testified all agreed Doherty suffered from PTSD from substance use disorder and either bipolar type 1 or schizophrenia. She stated from the bench, it is for this reason, that being the defendant's noted mental illness, albeit different diagnoses from forensic psychiatrists, that this court concludes it would be excessive to sentence the defendant to the maximum jail time that the state requests. She went on to say, The state believes that the defendant cannot be rehabilitated, thereby asking for the maximum penalty. I don't agree. Rehabilitation is possible over the course of the very lengthy sentence that he is still required to serve. Jack Doherty was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences behind bars. And further, as a condition of his sentence, Doherty is required to continue mental health counseling for the duration of his incarceration. Cheryl Smith's family is left to try and pick up the pieces. Her cousin Robert spoke at sentencing, highlighting just how kind Cheryl was. He said, She had a kind heart and always cared about people near and dear to her. He continued, They always say that cousins are your first friends. This was true with my family. Cheryl Smith was remembered by many as a mom who loved her sons, a teacher who poured into the kids at her local YMCA, and a kind, gentle, and good-hearted soul. In stark contrast, Shaylin Moran lied and manipulated her way through life, using others to exact revenge on those she felt had wronged her, not giving a damn who got caught in the crossfire. Anyone could have answered the door that night. Leonard, his mother, his brother, a friend? It didn't matter to Moran because in the end, Leonard would be hurt. Whether it was physically or emotionally, his life as he knew it would be over. And that is all that mattered to Shaylin Moran. 
all because she was pissed off that she had been rejected. As for Jack Doherty, well, he was an idiot who was easy to manipulate. If it hadn't been Doherty, Shaylin likely would have just found another goon to do her dirty work. And unfortunately, the internet is the perfect place to find an infinite number of goons. As always, you can find more information on this case on my Instagram at least underscore of these or my Facebook at least of these podcast. I'll be bringing you an all new episode next Thursday. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already so you don't miss it. You can finally get all your episodes ad-free just the way you like them for just $2 a month. And as a member of Patreon, you'll be the first to be notified when new tiers will be launched with exclusive episodes and a few bonus surprises. Head on over to patreon.com slash least of these to support the show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.